This episode and the Spring 2021 Bronco Startup Challenge is brought to you by our sponsors. AT&T, more for your thing, that's our thing. As well as City National Bank, we make it our business to be personal. Now, on to the episode. Yes, so you can. Yes, hi Parker. Hi. Um, yeah, so uh, feel free to interrupt me. I will try my best to um, remember to take breaks occasionally between slides. Um, uh, something I didn't do last time. Uh, this is my second talk uh, or workshop uh, here. So thank you for having me back. Uh, I appreciate that uh, I wasn't already shut down. So uh, this time I'm going to talk about uh, launching a company specifically out of a university. Um, I looked at the rest of the workshops. They're all very important. I'm going to try to not double count a lot of that stuff. So there are a lot of important parts of fun functionally launching a company um, that I'm not going to talk about. I'm going to assume that you're doing all of those great things, product market fit, you know, talking with investors, marketing, uh, understanding your market, all those things um, are very important. I want to assume that a lot of those things are being done. Uh, I'm going to specifically talk about like the advantages and disadvantages and what you can do and kind of where you want to be upon leaving, um, leaving the university as a startup. Um, I went over last time by like a half hour. I will, I will do better this time by keeping it short, um, but I will be around uh, at the end of this to answer any questions you have. Um, and sort of like, I don't know, have a conversation around the, the idea of what, uh, of what a university uh, setting offers um, and detracts from a, from a startup and how you can kind of maximize your usage. Um, I will be referring to my notes occasionally. I did write some notes this time, which is uh, great. Um, okay. But it does mean I have to read occasionally. Okay, great. So um, yeah, I'm gonna start talking about just the basics so we're all on the same page. Um, then I'm gonna talk about, sorry, I'm new to having long hair thanks to coronavirus. Um, uh, talk about what a company looks like, long like uh, what a startup is. So we're all on the same page. We're all discussing the same thing. I'm gonna talk about the basics of startup formation. Um, and then I'll talk a little bit about myself and my background. This is not just something for, um, uh, for, this workshop, but in general, I highly uh, or just started, but just always know who you're talking to and what their background is. Um, like it is so vitally important. And I think you are in a position as a startup entrepreneur or startup founder that um, you will get a lot of advice over the course of, and this is, this would qualify as advice. Advice is basically valueless. And uh, uh, you can throw all of everything I say away. Um, and I will not blame you because I'm also a founder and that's part of your job. Um, but always know where the person's coming from, what their background is, because their advice is more dependent on their background than your company. So if someone is a venture capitalist, you should know that. If they, if they invest in similar companies, you should know that. Um, because it totally, that totally depends, that totally dictates what their advice is going to be. Um, so I'll, I'll give you a little bit about my background. So you can see what my biases are. And then I'll talk about the challenges, um, which you're probably well aware of, um, and advantages of being a university-based startup. Um, and then what I think uh, you can do to maximize your time before you leave the university so that you're in a good place 
uh, you're in a better place leaving the university than you would be if you just launched it um, in your in your real world life. Um, and I'll talk about a little bit of like the soft stuff, which I think everyone is kind of aware of. And then I'll talk about like concrete. At the end, I'll talk through some of the concrete steps that I think you should be making. Um, uh, steps that I made, steps that I wish I'd made um, launching out of a university. Um, and then kind of like after university, but that's sort of, you know, that's kind of it for everyone. So um, I don't know if people know who Paul Graham is. I'm not going to do the thing where everyone raises their hand, especially because no one has a video on. Um, but Paul Graham, uh, kind of a, I think he described as like a hacker philosopher, founder of Y Combinator, um, and very successful startup entrepreneur. Um, he, I like, I like this that he said, um, you need three things to create a successful startup. Start with good people. Um, I, the video is in the way, but uh, something about making something customers want and then spend as little money as you can. Um, he has an uh, investment background, so the uh, spend as little money as you can um, might partially be because you might be spending his money. Um, but in general, very, uh, I think this is like a, an accurate but no nonsense statement about how to run a company. So what is a startup? Um, I want to just like make sure we're all talking about the same thing. So, um, and also a startup is, is kind of hard to define, um, but I will not be talking about not startup companies. Um, lessons from startup companies are very relevant to every aspect of your life. And if you're gonna start a consulting business or something, but they are different. So um, I just wanna say I'm explicitly talking about a startup um, uh, a startup aims to provide a product or service that can scale massively uh, and fundamentally disrupts the existing way of doing business, typically. Um, we might typically think of a company like Dropbox, um, which changed how we share data, store data, backup data. Amazon changed the way we buy everything. Uh, Stripe, uh, how businesses are paid by customers. Um, but startups also can be physical you know, physical locations that improve just simply on the existing existing businesses or existing products. You know, Nest makes a thermostat. It's very pretty. Sweet Green is a restaurant chain. Um, there were restaurant chains that sold salad before, um, but it is very much a startup. Uh, and Peloton uh, sells stationary bikes. Um, it's drastic over some location, but there it is. Um, these are all VC-backed companies. Um, you know, Sweet Green, what, I think what made Sweet Green a startup and not a restaurant is that um, they didn't stop at like a few or one very profitable chain that paid all the founders a lot of money because everyone liked going there. They instead raised $200 million and started 91 locations. That That is what makes it a startup, not necessarily the business itself. Anyway, um, so I'm gonna be talking about startups. Um, but you know what a startup isn't is it's not a consulting company. It's not a law firm. It's not um, a thing where you're using, you're selling your time and making money for that time. Um, and in order to grow, you need to just have more people. Um, I think, yeah, I don't know. Startup is also it. It, a lot, it depends a lot on the on the aspirations and the the structure of the company. Um, and everything I just said is encapsulated pretty well by um, Stevenson at HBS, which I mentioned in the last talk, but um, entrepreneurship 
uh, is the pursuit of opportunity beyond resources controlled. It's a very succinct way of saying it. There are entire, I think, books published on like this sentence um, and what it means and, and feel free to look at it on your own time. Um, so I will now just talk to you about the basics of startup formation. And apparently I put my about me slide here. Uh, so I'm Parker, I'm the CEO and founder of a company called Element 16 Technologies. We do thermal energy storage to help facilities or industrial facilities um, move towards renewable energy. Uh, I launched it as a master's student at UCLA and the company has received uh, about $8 million in awards from non-dilutive sources. So we didn't give it up equity for this funding. And it's largely due to the fact that we started at a university. We understood how universities make their money or get their money. Um, and we wanted to tap into that because we're doing like deep R&D tech and we are highly, um, we're kind of highly academic type people. So we kind of saw the way that we needed to take this like very new R&D technology to market is by going to, um, uh, going in that direction of, of getting funding similar to how, you know, GE might get R&D money or, um, you know, Lockheed Martin might get R&D money or universities. Um, and so we're very much tied to the academic like lifestyle, which is why it was really important that we launched out of university. We've also done a bunch of like accelerator companies that'll become more interesting later, I think, when I discuss what, if you guys should be doing it. Um, and like, yeah, we also have patents and they'll, it's, I'll, I'll touch on patents later. Um, I also started out of undergrad, I started a company. There's a website uh, that plays music for businesses called Overhead FM. It still is operating. Um, but I'm not actively involved. I'm just on the board of directors at this point. Um, I, uh, yeah, we have the, the team over there does not need me. Um, so that's, that's my background. I've started two companies out of a university. So I've only been in college twice. So that's my, the maximum, I think, number of companies I could have started. That's not true. You could start multiple, whatever. So um, basics of a startup company, and I've shown this before, and I will just gloss over it. Um, a company is a legal entity. A startup is a legal entity. It's not you. It's not a person. It's a business. You work for that business. Uh, you support that business, but you are not the startup. Um, there's a structure to a startup. It has a board of directors. Probably you might have officers of the business, like a chief executive officer, chief technology officer, chief financial officer, whatever. Um, and you need a lot of support from other people. You, in order to start a company um, and operate a company, you will eventually need like lawyers, accountants, bookkeepers. You need, you know, people that on the technology side. It, it is not a single person is unlikely to launch the business, the billion dollar business. I think the, the smallest company I've seen would be like Instagram, which sold for a billion dollars and they have all a dozen employees, but um, they also never made any revenue before they sold. So uh, if they decided they wanted to make revenue and try to grow beyond a billion dollar valuation, they probably would have needed to add a lot more people on the sort of non-design uh, engineering side. Um, and like I said, in all, in all previous uh, talks, there are counterexamples to everything I'm saying um, of very successful companies. I'm just trying to give you a good path it is not the only path. So now I'm gonna get kind of the bulk of the, of the conversation. Um, now that I hope we're on the same side, I guess I should stop now, as I said I was going to do. 
Does anyone have any comments or questions about anything I said so far? Okay, great. Um, I didn't say anything of interest so so far, so I guess that's fair. Um, so I don't need to tell you guys about this. I think you guys are very well aware of the challenges uh, that you face and the advantages you face. Um, but what I've kind of what I think of when I was back in a when I was a university student, um, the things that that hold uh, me and my peers back are things like we haven't been working for decades. We don't have a bunch of like savings in the bank. Typically, we might have student debt. Um, is very common. Um, and so you have like fixed expenses that you need to pay um, and you might not have a lot of money. You might have a lot of like personal runway to work on your startup without bringing in cash. Um, expertise, um, like Malcolm Gladwell said, you need 10,000 hours uh, to master any task. Obviously that's disputed, but um, you know, you probably don't have 10,000 hours on the thing that you're working on and you're going to launch a business and you're going to compete with, you know, existing businesses that have had, that have been operation for 10, hundred years or something. So, um, you know, you might just not have, it's not your fault. You haven't been alive that long or you haven't like functionally been able to do it, but like it's possible you don't have that level of expertise. Um, and also there's a perception of expertise that you might not have. Um, even if you are like a leading expert in your field, you will need to convince someone that's not, you know, a venture capitalist might not know, or an angel investor might not know anything about your field, might not know that you're good at it. They might not even know how to test you to see if you're good at it. So you, and they might assume that you're not. And so you need, um, you'll need a way of, of countering that, that kind of perception of experience and expertise. Um, and then going along with perception, um, you might be really committed but, and I think in general, we tend to think that um, in like regular society, like entrepreneurs are very passionate about their business. Everyone that's involved, been involved with startups for long enough is aware that um, young founders, especially, but founders in general often aren't actually that committed. They just say the right words. Um, and so they've probably been burned by someone getting an entry level offer from Tesla or Google and leaving and being like, ah, I got like, I got what I wanted. This was all for the resume kind of thing. And they're out. And if they've invested in that company, that company is now worthless because the main person driving the vision emission and work is gone. So there's a perception that you might not be serious and you'll need to be able to counter that. Um, or that you're not like fully committed the longest time you've ever spent on something might be like your university studies, which is like four years or high school, which is like four years or something, you know, five years, six years, but still just like not that long compared with the decade it might take to build a strong, a strong startup. Um, and then of course, like the functional, you are a student, you are in classes, you have other commitments. Um, that's a requirement of being a student. So there is that they have to balance. Um, I tend to think that like we prioritize what we care about. Um, we're never too busy. We just don't care enough about the thing. So if you're finding that you are not putting in a lot of effort on your startup, um, just like always check back about why um, if you don't feel like you have enough time. Okay. But this is where I think it gets really much more interesting are the advantages. Um, nope, this is still just pretty soft stuff. So sorry. Um, so there are inherent advantages to being a student. Um, typically, you have a lower burn rate. Typically, uh, by burn rate, I mean you spend less money. 
Um, this is all typical, but like typically you have fewer children or no children. You might not be married um, uh, with someone that does, that's relying on you for an income. These are things that are might might be true. Um, and having a lower personal burn means you need to pull less from the company, which means your company needs less money. That's all good stuff. Um, if you're comparing against someone who's launching a business from their full-time job, you might have more flexible flexibility in terms of your schedule. Um, I highly recommend doing your startup for as long as possible before leaving whatever you, wherever, wherever you are, if you're, if you have a full-time job, um, that's my personal bias. So a lot of people say you should be full in on your job from day one or full in from your startup from day one. I'm not that kind of person. Um, I think you should build and test as much as you can before you put your personal, um, career at risk, um, and your personal finances at risk, because the longer you're in your job, um, the longer your runway is after you leave your job. So um, I don't know, that's just me. Uh, there are there are exceptions to that rule, obviously, especially if there's like a time, if you're in a time competition with another, um, you know, 50 startups or something like that. Um, there's a lot less ex expectation of expertise, um, which is absolutely to your advantage, I think is the probably single largest advantage, um, and then the collegiate network. Um, and I'll talk about these a little more later. Um, so then how do you use these advantages? Well, having a lower personal burn rate compared with when you're older, and people always say like, oh, it's so good that you're starting a company when you're young. It, it's, this is the right time. There's no right time. And also I, 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 I hate it when people say that just because it's like, like there are always expectations on you and I don't know, you can't change how old you are anyway. So, I mean, it's good that you're starting a company um, now, but that's true no matter how what your age is. Um, in order to take advantage of a perceived lower burn rate, um, you have to actually know what that is. So, like, to in order to take advantage of it, you have to like actually know how much money you spend. You have to like have your personal finances well understood. And I highly recommend that you do this, um, even if you're not in a startup. Um, but you should know like how much money do you have? How much money do you spend? How much money is committed? What big purchases do you have coming up? What, what big expenses do you have coming up? Um, and what can you cut? What's, what's a nice to have and what's not a nice to have? Um, Cause that'll tell you, you need to know like how long you can comfortably keep going before you raise money or, or start pulling a paycheck, how long you can go before you uncomfortably can't. And then how long, like, What's your like longest possible, what's your last possible day? Um, you should also know like when you should be honest with yourself and with your co-founders and you should know this for your co-founders as well, or like have a rough sense for your co-founders. This is a very personal conversation and I understand it's not going to go perfectly well every time um, where everyone wants to share everything right away, especially if you don't know your co-founders very, very, very well. Um, but you should also know kind of like what their points are. And you should also know when everyone starts getting uncomfortable. So like you should have a time period where like everyone's like, I'm in it for six months. I don't even need a proof point for six months. I don't need any customers and I don't need any, um, you know, any rev any money coming in to the business or to me for six months. And after like, and I'll give it that much time, no matter what. And then you should know like after that, if I'm not seeing something positive, I'm going to start getting uncomfortable. You should know like when people would start probably looking for like a side job or something like, you know, these are conversations you should have. These are conversations you need to honestly have with yourself and honestly have with your co-founders. Um, 
that's the only way that having a low burn rate helps you. If you have a low burn rate and then you have no idea how long you survive on like what, how that helped, like if you get really bad investment terms where someone wants 50% of your company for $100,000, which is to me, seems like a very bad investment terms. I'm, I know that that exists. You know, if you don't, if you're just panicking, you want money all the time, then you might take those when you don't need to. But if you have like a well thought out personal finances and co-founder finances, you'll be able to make a rational decision about whether this is the best thing for your company or not the best thing for your company. Those are the kinds of things that you have to have like in your pocket. Um, the other thing that you should take advantage of absolutely um, in this kind of inherent to startup, uh, startups at a university is like the collegiate network and being a student. And just, you can literally contact anyone in the world and say, I'm a student and I'm interested in X. Do you have time to talk with me? And you will be, you'll be blown away by how many, who you can talk with and what kind of information you get, what kind of access you get. Um, the university also has like every, I don't know. I'll, I'm going to talk about this, I think on the next slide, so I won't get too into it, but like do all your cold calling now hold emailing now there isn't an expert an expectation that you're an expert right now you can just be like i'm ignorant and i don't know please tell me everything and people will open up because you're not a threat you're a college student even though you're about to like take their job um and run you know beat their company like they don't think that way because you're a college student and you're just like so happy to be there um use it use every advantage you have this is startups are hard don't make it hard on yourself ask for um connections like you know, the, the college experience is built around you, the student. Um, all the students are open to you. All the faculty is open to you. Um, uh, maybe they won't appreciate me saying that, but um, they are, right? Like, so make, ask for connections to other departments, ask for connections outside of the university, ask for connections to everyone. Um, professors often are pretty well connected as well. So, so good to know them. Um, okay. I think now I'm going to get into the more interesting part, which is also the final part. Um, and I'll try to I'll try to shut it down pretty soon. I did write a note for this slide. Um, okay. Note I want to say is I'm assuming that for these things, you're also running your business. Like this is not the only thing you should be doing. These are just like things that you should be aware of because you're in university. Um, these are in addition to all the other steps that you are running as your business. Um, it's just, you know, it's not, nothing is more important than like product market fit, but uh, these are things to keep in mind. So I'm gonna talk about while you're in university, as you're leaving the university, and then like once you're gone. Um, so first slide for while you're in a university, um, which I'm assuming everyone is right now, meet, everyone so you will need every part of your business um and uh you will need so many different areas of expertise in your business and college is the best time to meet people so i know it's hard during covid um but it will not get any easier after you leave so now is the time um your startup and bronco startup challenge are great excuses to get in front of people um you know get business cards, go to the computer science department if you need computer science and just meet people before class. I mean, you can look up on a schedule, see who's learning the thing you wanna learn, right? Like, like tax accounting or 
you know, uh, Python or whatever, it is, whatever you've identified as the thing that you might need in the future. Like there's a literal like group of people of like, you know, 30 or 50 or whatever number of people learning that thing right now that you can walk over to that classroom or you can get a, you can contact the professor and whatever, send an email to the class or whatever, but you can, you know, who's learning this, you know, where they are and you can say like, I'm a student and I'm doing the Bronco Start Challenge and I'm interested in, I'm, my startup is, has these proof points and therefore you should, you know, I, like I, and I, I see that I'm going to need this expertise in the future. Can you teach me about it? Can you tell me like what you've learned so far? Can you tell me um, what you think of my startup? Because um, I'm going to need to attract people with your skill set in the future. Those are the kinds of things you can ask and make those connections. Now, you might not talk to that person for another five years, but they are in your, in your sphere and they've met you. And it's just going to make, it makes your life a lot easier down the line. Um, uh, this is literally how I start. Like our bookkeeper, I met, um, our bookkeeper is also the bookkeeper for UCLA athletics. Um, I met him at university. I, he's not an engineer. I'm not, I have no accounting or bookkeeping experience, but like, because I met him at the university and I was aware of him when it was time, I contacted him and I said, do you know anyone that can do this? And he was like, I can do it. He also introduced us to our accounting firm. Um, it was a warm, warm contact. And that firm gives us a ton of like free um, advice all the time on like co very complex accounting um, strategies, like just has, and, and just, you know, walked us through the PPP program and stuff like that. Like these are, make the contacts with people that are not in your field today. It is, there's no easier place than a university. Absolutely. Um, and have business cards to hand them out, like with the company on it. Like, I don't know. That's a, business cards still work. I don't really know why. Um, uh, make connections with your professors. So like right now they're professors and they might seem like not your peers. Um, that's the way universities are structured. You will soon graduate. Um, and you know, maybe after you have a little bit of proof in your startup, but you are going to both be, um, you're going to be outside of that hierarchy soon. So you can work with them. I work with a lot of professors and a lot of researchers at a bunch of universities. They help us qualify for grants and awards. They help us qualify for, uh, to do the actual work. We hire them as consultants now, like just professors, also will add a lot of credibility to your startup. Like I said before, one of the challenges you're gonna have is perception. One of the areas where you can prove to people, like investors and people in general tend to believe that professors are experts in their field, often because they are. That name alone and that attachment, having them as an advisor or a mentor, or just someone who will speak on your behalf or will send recommendations to you, those are very, valuable recommendations because they come from an authority source don't meet your professors you know first impress them in class sure but then also meet them as a startup founder and you know express what you're doing and so when you leave the university you can make that connection um as outside of the professor student relationship or professor researcher relationship or whatever that is um just Build those connections now um, because soon you'll have something that you can really offer them, um, whether that's, you know, uh, 
shares in your company, whether that's, you know, an investment opportunity, whether that's whatever that is, um, you, you know, you can hire them as a consultant, you can hire them, whatever, like you have something that you can offer them very, very soon. So just like make sure that you also like make that connection, make it real. Um, and then try to also suggest that you will soon not be a student. So you can start changing that perception in their, in their eyes. Um, and that's true about like, not just professors, just like staff in general, um, and faculty. Use your student status. I've touched on this briefly before. Um, like, so there's a program called CSU I-Corps, uh, Cal State I-Corps. Um, I did the national version of it, the National Science Foundation I-Corps program. Um, and as a, in it, as a student, I would contact people all around. The, they, they would pay for me to fly around the country and like meet people. And I had, but they would only pay for the travel as long as I was doing our, you know, uh, customer development work, discovery, customer discovery work for my startup. And so what I found was if I called someone and I said, like, I'm a student and I, I was really interested in power plants. I was like, I'm really interested in your power plant. Like I Googled it and it says it does this and that. And I have, I would get private tours. I got a private tour of a power cogeneration power plant in Massachusetts with the like operating team showing me around the power plant, like each step, you know, and like I was with a, you know, paper, you know, a notepad, a piece of paper, uh, a pen, and just like writing down all the things. We could have follow up meetings afterwards. I toured power plants in, in like chemical processing facilities in Indiana, like in, uh, I, you know, I, I got tours in Canada, Hamilton, Ontario. I don't know. Like, it's just, you call people up and they are just open to you and they will like, they will clear their schedule. They will take you out for a day. They'll buy you lunch. Like they will, like, if you're a student and you show interest and you show some level of knowledge in their facility, um, you're not a threat to them. Power plants are not a thing that typically you get a tour of because they're very worried about like people, you know, complaining about their emissions or complaining about, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, groundwater, you know, they're just really about public perception always in a power plant. Um, but we had no, we had no trouble getting introductions and, and getting into the facility just because we were students and we were saying that upfront that we were just interested in learning and people just want to tell you about their life. Um, so use it and use it now. Um, in COVID, it might be harder to like meet in person, but um, there's just no, there's no way that you're not gonna get all the information that you can want, you know, if you have your questions lined up, um, if you just cold email them. And it's better to get introductions, but like totally unnecessary. If you're a college student, you don't even like, you just pick up the phone and people will love it. Um, and then there's, of course, there's a bunch of um, programs specifically targeted to university students that you can only do when you're a university student. So you should obviously take advantage of those. Um, uh, I don't know, like Rice University business plan competition, stuff like that. Um, you don't have to be a student of that university. You can just like take, a, uh, take part. Um, and then I think after when you, you know, further down the line, you're probably gonna look to get investment from uh, angel investors and venture capitalist investors and join like accelerators and incubators. Um, as a student, 
you can always contact them when they have a demo day or an open house event or a pitch event or anything, and you can just go. Um, no one's going to turn away a college student that's interested in entrepreneurship from joining and watching. You can even like work for those programs. They often have like co-ops or internships um, or positions. If you have like a skill, like if you're good at brand design, like Techstars like hires for three months designers for all their startups, um, for their startups to use um, typically. So, you know, you can just get in front of a lot of investors. You can get a lot of the value of the program out of the program as a college student just by saying like you want to hang out and uh, learn and they will, um, they tend to be pretty responsive to that. Um, yeah, and then like take advantage of all the college pitch competitions um, if you can, and then don't necessarily try to win all of them as much as try to change up your messaging. So like when you pitch, you know, you're going to pitch like a thousand times to like various investors and all of them seem extremely important because all of them are important. But you don't want to do your first hundred with a suboptimal pitch. You want to do your first 20 with different pitches and then your next 80 with a really good one. So, um, you know, get out there, try pitch competitions, try different messages. Um, because as a student, there's a lot available to you that you won't ever be able to do again once you graduate. So um, it's not like you're setting up you know, you're not going to burn a bridge for the next year's attempt. Um, you're just doing it. So just do it. Um, more things. Um, access your pool of beta testers. So one quick warning about this. If you're going to pitch, if you're going to try to get your fellow students to use your startup, acknowledge that students are a unique subgrid set. So you're going to get some weird data. Like you're going to get a lot of data of interests of people between 18 and 22. Um, not super useful if your target audience is going to be, you know, 35 to 50, but just be aware that like, you're going to get some, like, be, be aware of the, 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 the source of the data, but in general, you can get on in front of, you can get your message, um, in front of you, of students very easily. Um, and of course that means that, you know, newsletters and email blasts and club updates and whatever. Um, but when I was an undergrad, um, there was like this company that always like on the inside of every stall, there'd be like a sticker for this like cookie brand. Um, and you know, and the dorm, like every dorm would have like the inside of the stalls would have this sticker for this cookie brand. Um, and it was a startup that was started by some fellow students. Um, and it was just like everyone, would try that cookie because like, everyone had seen the brand. It's like it's you. Everyone has their phone out because they're in a stall, um, and so everyone's googled the cookie brand because there's nothing else to to do. It it was incredibly incredibly impactful. That, that cookie brand is like Rip Van Waffles. It is in Starbucks. It's very successful. But it started you know it started at the time as like a you know guys in a dorm room basically making cookies. So you know. Use your use your um, your access to students and your unique knowledge of their behavior characteristics. Um, and it's just I don't know something you don't really have as much access to. You probably can't like post things in the school newsletter as a alum as easily as you can as a student. Um, and then like 
obviously launch MVPs as often as possible. I'm sure someone else has said this before, but like just launch all the time, launch all the time. Students are pretty, are extremely forgiving when an app goes away, if it's a student led app. Um, it's just something that like, I'm sure you guys would not be that mad if you downloaded an app, it was crap and it went away. Um, that's how students are. Um, so don't be worried about, uh, don't be worried about that. I'm sorry, I'm taking way longer than I thought I was going to. Um, get your company's legal set up. Um, this is a functional thing. Many universities, and I couldn't find it at Cal Poly Mona, but many universities will offer free or greatly discounted services for like articles of incorporation, stock option agreements, stock purchase agreements, um, uh, kind of getting everything on the legal side set up. Often universities, and even if yours doesn't, contact other universities. Like I'm a student in the Cal State system, and I and I see your school has this, and I want to take advantage of it. Or, and I I actually tended not to use the university system. I, I used I shouldn't say anything negative. I I I tried one, um, which offered free or greatly discounted services, and I found it lacking, so I just asked another firm to do it for us. And um, typically, if you ask nicely and you have some proof points with your startup, it wouldn't be that difficult to get a very well-respected, very professional law firm to do it at least fully deferred payment, uh, deferring it until the first fundraise. So you will probably pay a little bit more. They're not going to give you a bunch of like discounts on your law on your legal fees because they kind of want to get paid. Um, if, if you do raise that first round of funding, but um, it's one of these things like cash might be tight. You know, we're all, you know, we're all college students, right? So like use, use those services and get as much as you can done um, early, like get, you're gonna need a stock option agreement at some point. So like try to get that done now, try to get things done in advance if it's free. Um, Cause you'll use those documents forever. Um, also like, uh, Cooley Go is a great resource, and that's that's not college uh, college required. Um, Cooley Go is uh, Cooley is like one of the biggest names in startup law. Cooley Go is like a bank of documents that you can use for like employment agreements and stuff like that. Um, oh, also like be really good to work with. So when I was an undergrad, we worked with a law firm for my first startup, and we didn't. We went through, uh, we had deferred payment set up for a certain amount up to like $30,000 or something or $20,000 of law firm work. We actually continued to use them through a failed acquisition. We thought we were going to get acquired um, and it fell through, I believe not due to our fault. I think it was due to the other company, but, um, and all of that fell through. And um, then like some time passed and we were like, oh, do you want us to pay now? It's been a long time. And they, in the law firm, um, which continues like to this day, I like when I go to Boston, I like meet our old lawyer and like, you know, hang out. Um, like they just wrote off the, the whole fee. Like they just, it was all free. They, they, and I think it's honestly because they want to keep that relationship going for the future. And we were good to work with if you're a good client, you can be a good client without ever having money to pay them, I guess. Um, you know, 
just be good to work with. And, you know, deferred doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have to pay it all um, in the future as well. So, cool. Um, and finally, while you're in university, you can easily go up to investors and say, you just want to learn. I'm not raising right now, or I might raise soon, but I, you know, I'm a college student right now. Um, I highly recommend uh, reading things by Mark Schuster. Um, but, you know, he talks about lines, not dots. Dots being like, don't, you know, it's hard to show up and raise money um, the first meeting, you know, because they haven't watched you progress. It's much easier to set, say, for someone to watch you from a university when you have no users, watch you through your first pivot, watch you through your second pivot, watch you with your nice early metrics of product market fit. And then you go back and you say, hey, like I've done these things. I've kept you up to date. I've sent you emails over the past year. I'm ready to raise money now. And they might, you know, they don't really need to see as much um, in that moment because they've seen, they've watched how you work and they like you. So now is the best time for that. Teammates, co-founders, and also early employees are very similar. They want to join a winning company, especially if a lot of their compensation is going to be in equity. So show them early on that you are like where you are. Don't oversell where you are right now because you want to show that progress to when you're to, and so you don't want to say you've done more than you have because your progress looks worse. So just be clear about where you are now. Be clear about where you are as you progress. Um, and, um, you know, be open about it. And that'll help later. So like if you met your accountant in school and then in two years you need an accountant, they'll know that that progress went from not needing an accountant to needing an accountant because you have to file a large tax, you know, you're, you have a large tax liability at the end of the year this year. So like that's important. Anyway, okay. Let me make sure I didn't miss something because I probably did. No, that's fine. Okay. Okay, I really need to wrap up. So um, as you're launching, I really like accelerator programs. I've taken a part in a couple. Um, they give you usually a small amount of money in exchange for a small amount of equity, and then they teach you how to do startups. They have like huge mentor networks, huge advisor networks, and they're a huge proof point if you can get into a good one um, for investors. There are some like Y Combinator where like basically there's money waiting for you as soon as you get in. Um, they're like very, very, uh, they just have had so many successes that I think has been shown that if you just invested in all the startups equally um, that have ever gone into Y Combinator, you would like have made a lot of money. So just in general, people are like really willing to, um, to take the meeting. Um, but yeah, invest, uh, start uh, applying to accelerator programs before you leave university. Um, you know, business competitions are similar. They can help you get your first funding and also help you refine your message and help you get mentors. Mentors uh, uh, and grants, I can go into it later. I have a lot of like, personal experience with them, but they're, um, I recognize that they're probably not as um, useful for everyone here. Um, angel investors, same thing. You know, they want to see your traction. They want to see your progress. Um, consider formalizing mentors as you leave college. I can't really speak to this very well because I've never actually formalized mentor relationships um, outside of programs. Like I'll have, I have mentors within programs, but then I typically 
don't then list them. Um, but I do know a lot of startups that use this method really effectively. Um, and this is typically done when you are worried about a, a gap in your expertise or perceived expertise. So, um, you know, if you have a startup, uh, if you're a startup with a bunch of like, young team, you might want a bunch of mentors who have a lot of experience uh, in your industry, maybe like, you know, 30 years of experience in the you know, financials sector or something like that, just to show that you um, have that knowledge, right? Like I was thinking about this the other day, like I don't really know, uh, I'm gonna skip over this at time. Um, basically just if you think that there's a perception that you don't know something or you actually don't know something, get, consider having mentors in a formal role um, or advisors in a formal advisory board or something like that um, to plug that gap. And you have to make sure that they're someone who actually will pick up the phone every time you call, even at night. It's like, you know, have access to that person. Um, I have, I've like seen people's mentors on the internet, um, on a website and been like, oh, how do you know that person? I know that person. And then they're like, who? That's a real bad sign. That tells me that that is like a liar, basically. Um, so, you know, make sure you actually know the people very well. Um, and that the, the advisor or mentor is someone who is, would, recommend you given the opportunity. Um, some advisors want shares. Be very careful about that. Typically, if an advisor wants shares and they're bringing expertise, it's better to have them, in my view, as an investor, um, and then they get the shares because they've invested and that shows a lot more commitment um, to your company because they've put money into their company, they've taken money out of their bank account, put it in your company. I think that that's better that might mean that they're also an advisor though so like they could invest and then get really good terms on the investment because you're also giving them advisory shares or something like that but just you want to have oh, as much stuff as you can that shows that they're committed to you in the same way that you're committed to them um carta has a nice blog on this and i think it handles it pretty well um i'm gonna skip over rng i'm happy to answer questions on it later if you want um okay so that's as you're leaving the university, you're applying to these programs, you're pitching the company, you're getting a lot of notoriety and you have mentors. And so like basically at the end of this process, you have a company that you've registered and you have all the paperwork settled, um, hopefully for free or deferred or very cheap, something that um, is suited to the collegiate budget. You have a team of excited people. That's both you and your co-founders and your teammates. and mentors that show that you have the team that's capable of delivering the product at the scale um, required to get to the next stage of funding. So like you don't need a, a team that takes you to IPO. You need the team that hits all the proof points you need to get to the point where you can make, you can hire more people to build the team more. So you need to be able to show that that you have a team for that. Um, and are excited, of course. Um, You've launched your product and you've gotten it tested. You've got real data from real users at your university if this is at, at all applicable. Um, and you've done it with little or no ad spend. You've put your business card under every desk. You've, I don't know, every windshield. I don't know. You've done, you've done what you can to very cheaply or free or for free gotten your initial beta tester users with the feedback you need. And that feedback doesn't actually have to be like, asking them what they think it can often just be like you track their analytics on you know you use google analytics and you you track their drop-off rate 
Um, and hopefully you've gotten some, some funding because things tend to cost money, um, committed or actually invested uh, through like business plan competitions or accelerators or crowdfunding or whatever it is that you're doing. Ideally, this is like as you're leaving, you've gotten into one or more of these accelerators. Some accelerators are a lot easier to get into than others. They have, and some have better terms than others. So, you know, and better net mentor networks and better advisory uh, groups and stuff like that. Um, as many people, as many investors as you might meet while you're in school, an accelerator, a good accelerator will introduce you to like a few hundred more. So now that you've done that, and this is, you know, obviously this is a lot to ask, but now that you've all done all that and you have all this success because you just graduated, you have all that success. As always, everything is about sales and product market fit. So if you haven't found it, try more things, try a bunch of uh, minor adjustments as quickly as possible before you run out of your very limited funds and runway that you're, you know, you're taking advantage of your low personal burn. Um, and if not, try pivoting completely. I added that the link to this um, that has some great stories of pivots. Um, the one that I wish that they had dug into a little more is Twitter, which it seems like they were like, had such little money left of their investors' money that they were like, well, it's not even worth giving it back. We just need to try something and they tried to Twitter. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, so, you know, don't be afraid of pivots. Um, and then if you have any sort of, if you are growing, you know, consider funding it more just to add more fuel to the fire. You always want as much fuel in the fire as possible. Uh, many people, I think um, in the article I quoted at the very beginning um, by Graham, he says like, Startups are binary, they're either successful or they're not. And like it, if you've given away a little bit more equity or little whatever, um, really it doesn't matter as much as like, did you succeed or not? Um, so consider um, you know, raising more funding right afterwards uh, and being pretty aggressive about bringing more money into the company because if you can hit more sales and more proof points and you can you know, make your, improve your product and get that product market fit a little bit faster, um, or with a little bit larger uh, customer segment, that's uh, that's probably worth a lot more than like the percentage of, of equity you're giving up. So just consider that. Um, and that's kind of all I have. I'll open up for question and answer. I realized I didn't stop ever. Um, and then I did add a, a few links. Obviously, there's on the left side is a bunch of like startup stuff. Uh, F Success is a platform for a bunch of like programs that you can look up. And then I just threw in some of like the top accelerator websites. The middle are like business plan competitions that I think everyone here is eligible to apply for. I think the MIT one is clean tech, so only for clean tech. And then on the right are um, just like LA startup programs that you might want to like check out um, if they're in your sec sector or segment or of interest. Um, and even if they're not, you know, if you're just going to like go to their demo day or like listen on the demo day or uh, volunteer at an event of theirs or something like that. Um, you know, investors are not always segments investors. They might go to a space accelerator, but they might also invest in you know, whatever. So it's not a total, you know, startups are startups. The LA startup scene isn't that massive. So like once you're plugged in, you're, you can be pretty plugged in. Um, great. Uh, yeah. So thank you. And
if you have any questions at all, I'm happy to, to answer anything I can um, and just discuss stuff. Mr. Wells, good afternoon. Um, yes, hi. How are you doing? So it's JP, once again, from the Cannabis Education Club. Um, just want to let you know by so far, um, you're one of the best, I, I feel like you're one of the best presenters. I feel like you have so much to say. Thank you. And such a little time. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, I find your presentation very interesting, especially this one. Um, it makes a lot of sense. And I wish that I would have probably had this kind of presentation before because I felt like I'm a self-made uh, young entrepreneur who done a lot of things mm -hmm. on my own. And now seeing these kind of presentations, it's very useful because um, you mentioned a lot of great things that make sense, such as networking with everybody, using all your resources on campus and all that, which is true, by the way, because um, that's something that I did, not just for my club, but also for my company. I uh, promoted my company through the schools. And because of that, I was able to um, have a great platform. And um, and that was at my uh, that was at the school that I transferred from. And now that I'm at Cal Poly, I'm doing it as well. So now I've got two different platforms to uh, to go to. Um, yeah. And, I, and I'll, that's that's great. And I would actually say keep like don't limit yourself to the schools you're actually at. Like you can you. I would say if you're looking for for, you know, member like to expand membership outside beyond, you know, you can say I'm at this university. We are paired, you know, you're paired with a bunch of Cal States. You're paired with all public schools in the United in California. Like, you can use that and be like, you know, we're based at this university. We're looking, you know, I would, you know, I wouldn't. Universities are great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I, I, you made me realize some things. Like now, I, I want to go and reach out to certain, um, uh, uh, like other universities such as UCLA because I know they have a. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, they also have a research program for cannabis and, um, and, oh, you also mentioned about visiting other places, which is also another great thing because now I want to go and travel as well. didn't even think about that, but it's true. Um, call up the organizations and, and I know it's like you mentioned, it's kind of hard because of COVID, but it, it, it's even then you never know, maybe some of them are more than willing now to, um, have somebody and, there at, at their place because they want to get yeah, back. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, yeah, I, I think that one of the things that um, I often fall victim, victim to, and I think a lot of startups do, is like, we are where we are. And so we assume that that's where we should build things. But if we, I mean, a lot of younger people are a little more flexible about where they are physically located. And like, with something that's highly regulated, like a highly regulated industry, like cannabis or like energy, um, geography really matters. and where you're doing your business could what could fail in one place and be really successful in another and so it's worth checking out other places that physically might be more um receptive to your to your startup so like i mean i have a lot of experiences like uh, a lot of examples in my in my personal life but i think that like or for for energy work it just goes like energy pricing is different everywhere and like regulations are different everywhere but i'm assuming it's the same for you yeah. you know definitely getting out there and say, and seeing like if your message resonates so much better somewhere else it might be worth it to like you know if you're early enough pivot and focus on that area or like you know you can you can solve a problem 
Um, yeah. I don't, I, yeah. yeah, I, I, I'm in on, I'm, I'm in on this traveling thing. I'm, I'm in on, on at least make, you know, even if you aren't physically doing it, making the connections in other places. Yeah, I, I'm gonna, I'll speak with you uh, more on, on a personal note. I'm gonna, if it's okay with you, uh, um, I'll email yeah. you and then um, just try to get more, uh, 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 just try to get more ideas from you. Um, I do got a couple of questions real quick, so maybe I, we could let someone else go on after I ask my questions. Um, uh, I have a meeting with the CPA later today to discuss about the uh, about getting an LLC for the for the club and also for my company. Um, now, what's called um, um, that's where I'm at so far because as of right now, my my company itself as um, it's a small company and it was all under sole proprietorship, but now I'm thinking about <laughs> moving it to an LLC. And um, so I'm going to meet up with the CPA. Um, and I noticed that you were mentioning something that we should also look into maybe getting this stuff done for free through through the university as well. Like so universities also provide um, mm -hmm. being able to file under LLC. Yeah, so uh, a lot of them will have like uh, I think UCLA calls it startup in a box. Um, but there's a lot of like programs, you, a lot of universities have programs specifically to reduce the cost of doing the incorporation for the, for the start, for you, for you, for the company. So if you went to the university and uh, I don't know, maybe someone on this call knows specifically for CPP, but I just feel like there must be something. Um, and if not here, then at other, other universities will definitely have it. Um, uh like you know like other like other affiliated universities will have this program um i also said i would say like sometimes if you just ask they'll like larger firms will say like, oh yeah we have a program for college startups and it's this and we defer you know for the first until the first fundraise of over a hundred thousand dollars or something like that if they, if they like you have to get accepted into the program but then if they accept you you'll get all the and all that for free um that's typically at like larger, larger, more established firms because they have the ability to do it. Um, whereas like, you know, otherwise you're just like asking a, you know, sole proprietor CPA to do the work for free, which they might do, but it's uh, typically not as formalized. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean like with an LLC, I mean, you have a lot of options. I mean, even just like, like legal zoom is totally totally viable um and extremely inexpensive um compared with going to a, a cpa i don't know there's like options i'm not i i your company structure especially as a startup is pretty likely to change um especially if you're an llc if you start as an llc it is extremely likely that when you go to raise venture funding they will require or request that you become a C corporation. So that sort of reduces a lot of the strain on the LLC structure being exactly right, in my view. Um, again, I'm not a lawyer, so I shouldn't be giving, I, I cannot give advice, but I should, I wanna say just like, in my experience, I wasn't really ever too concerned about the details of how my company was getting set up at the beginning because I knew that it was highly likely, and this is true for at least one of the two, 
um, that we then like filed new, we had like restated bylaws and like we, we, we did the whole thing again later because you bring in people, investors wanna see changes, co-founders wanna see changes, you wanna see changes over time. And it's like, you know, at a certain point it becomes worth it to do the paperwork again. So you wanna get it right the first time, but um, even if you get it right, for you today, it might not be right for you in two years. So don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I see people kind of like get stuck in this, like mm-hmm. trying to hire the right team and get the exact right thing. And, and, and it prevents them from their real, their real job, which is, you know, making the company work. Um, so I don't know, just be aware of that and be, yeah. And like, mm-hmm. like a lot of the times, if you go to a CPA uh, or a, a lawyer, they have a standard document. They're basically going to hand you the standard document. So it's like not that different from going to LegalZoom and getting their standard document. Um, so I don't know. But you makes, pay a lot for that document from a law firm. <laughs> makes sense. Got you. Uh, and my last question real quick. Uh, so once I develop either the LLC, and I understand you're saying, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect now because it can't always change. So uh, I understand that. Uh, uh, but once we get set up, either with the LSE or whatever, um, bank accounts. So do we set up also bank accounts for, for the, for the, for our company, the clubs and start working yeah. on the books? Yeah. So like the main, in my view, the main advantage advantage of an LLC is that you are separating your personal finances from the company's finances. Like the, the main advantage is that there's a, a separation there. Um, and it's giving you protection. Um, and it's, and so, I mean, in order to that to make that complete, what you want, what what I would want to do, or what I do do, is I set up a separate account for that company, and all the business for the for the all the money for the business goes to that account, and all my personal finances goes to the other, and then it's always documented anytime money goes from one to the other. So that way, it's clear that the business is a real business, and so that you don't you're not. Um, Later on, someone might can't accuse you of not uh, uh, of the business not actually being separate from you. So, I like to have it as separate as possible. I like to have a bank account set up, and it's pretty easy. I mean, like you can just set up a checking account. You know, like it doesn't need to be that complicated. You just like you have an LLC, you take it to a bank account uh, to a bank, and you say like, I want a bank account for this company, and um, like a checking account. And, Mm-hmm. You know, you don't actually need anything else right away, but I would say that that's like what I would start with. And then I would document, you know, if you're buying your founder's shares or something like that, you document that you're buying it and that's how you're putting money into the company and you're buying, by doing that, you're buying your shares and you're, you're buying your, your uh, share of the company. Um, cool. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. And also this is another thing that like, Accelerators also can are really good at because they see a bunch of startups come in that have any number of, of structures um, and any number of like equity situations and stuff like that. So um, and just because a startup accelerator might see 100 or 1000 um, startups like they have a legal team that's just really used to helping startups get through this process. Um, I don't know. I really like accelerators personally, but not everyone does. I should say that like they're. Okay, cool. There's somewhat controversial. Got you. I'll look into that. Thank you.
Oh, and I'm going to reach out to you then later too. I'll email you just to get more info. Great. Yeah, I think everyone should have my email address or something. I can, I'll make sure um, it's shared somewhere. I shall just put it into the chat. No, maybe not. I don't know how to do that. Um, yeah. Does anyone else have any questions, comments? All right. All right. Maybe not. I mean, uh, if you guys have Parker's email, you guys can email him about any questions you have. Furthermore, and yeah, thank you for everyone for coming. There will be a workshop next week on Tuesday, on the twenty fifth. Oh, sorry, not on the 25th, uh, the 30th with the Tito Zamaloa. So, hope to see everyone there. And all right. All right. Thank you, everyone. All right. Thank